felt, honest, I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use again. Shame on you. This is Sports 360. Hello there, wherever you're listening to us on the surface of God's planet. My name is Dejiomoto Imbo, welcoming you to another intriguing and in-depth episode of Sports 360 podcast. I'd like to thank you for joining us and downloading and listening to the show. And um, as always, we'll try and be as objective and as incisive as possible on today's topics. But starting on a very, very exciting note before that, Yemiya Desoya is here with me in the studio. Yep, yep. And um, we have our researcher for the show joining us to talk about these issues today, Demola Ogumbono. Demola joins us. Demola, should we clap for Demola as well? First Welcome to Demola. Welcome on the show. <laughs> Thank you for having and me. Demola joins us because Bodio Kutu is unavoidably absent today. And we start with what we ended with last week, which was the three-pit quest by the Tigress. And indeed, the three-pit quest has become the three-pit feat because the girls have pulled it off. So let me start with Demola. You did a lot of research on these girls. Uh, fantastic performance by them. Five-time African champions now. Three on the bounce. Only the second country to do that after Senegal did it way, way back. But um, what do you make of the performance of the Tigers? I mean, um, first and foremost, it's really good to be here talking with um, you guys here on um, the podcast. And as for our girls, uh, I think it was really, really brilliant what they did. Uh, I remember last week when uh, Bode was saying that uh, the obstacle, you know, between us and getting that title will be the Senegalese. Yeah. And we expected that was going to be a tough one. But then, uh, at the end of the, you know, the game, uh, was a 10 point, um, yeah, in the semifinals, in, in the semis, you know, and, uh, having crossed that huddle, we kind of felt, yes, we had a chance, you know, with the Malians in the finals. And, uh, yes, the girls came through and, uh, I mean, what a, what a performance and, uh, the three peat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, how, how do you underline this? Um, because, you know, at times we tend to underrate uh, the, 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 the level of consistency you need to win a tournament like this three times in a row. So while not trying to overplay um, what these girls did, we, we can't underplay it. We have to be careful not to underplay it all the same. So how do you rate this performance by the Tigers? Um, I rate this performance very highly, uh, very commendable. And... One thing speaks well to this performance is the fact that uh, continuity exists. Mm. A lot of continuity, a lot of experience. Continuity on the coaching side because um, uh, Shuli has won his second, you know, title back to back. Continuity says that uh, you have Adora Elonu, mm. you have Izile Kalu, you know, ladies who have been here before. Yeah. Um, in 2017, 2019, you know, and also continuing the fact that um, the bulk of those that were in the Olympics played eight, in this competition eight, as well. Eight of them yeah, in so, the roster. Uh, it was good to have that continuity. Mm. They fostered good team unity, team cohesion. They had that as an advantage. So somewhat, you could say the unfortunate incidents at the Olympics for served as a warm-up for the yeah. Afro-Basket, even though it's somewhat of a mismatch, yeah. but it served us well that that experience and that uh, cohesiveness that we had yeah. from the Olympics, you know, just spur on and um, 
got us in a better position. So I think for that, we have to commend the MBBF or the coaching group for ensuring mm-hmm. that they maintain that level of cohesion, compact, uh, continuity, and experience uh, in the Tigers team. Okay, um, uh, Yemi mentioned Ezine Kalu, who I think ended up as MVP. Aldrora Lerner uh, uh, ended up as MVP. Ezine Kalu was MVP in 2019. Yeah. But isn't it, both of them got in the team of the tournament. That's five teams. Um, you, you, you alluded to it, but they mentioned the Senegalese and they, we, we met the Senegalese in the, in the semifinals. It was a 10-point victory. It was an 11-point victory in the finals. There was something about this team that struck me. They started games very, very quickly, built up leads and never tended to lose those leads. There was a lot of shooting, um, divers shooting from the perimeter. Mm. They did a lot of things right. Um, Yemi mentioned the consistency. I think personally, I don't know whether I agree. The fact that there was a consistency in the, uh, team composition and even the fact that somebody like, um, Evelyn Agato couldn't make both the Olympics and this tournament didn't really affect the team. It didn't really affect. And that's where Victoria Macaulay and, uh, Ife Ibekwe, you know, came through, you know, in the game. Uh, I remember doing, um, doing, um, the research. We're saying that the Senegalese, when we checked um, how they play, you know, from the perimeter, their rebound, their rebounding game was really, really stronger than ours, um, uh, both offensively and defensively. Uh, but it's good to see that um, in the finals, the girls really, really came through. And it's important to note that Ife Ibekwe was, um, you know, uh, had 10 rebounds in that game, in which, that final, was, yeah. which, which was really, really something plausible. And uh, Victoria Macaulay, you know, top performer for us as well, 15 points. The continuity, of course, uh, it helped and uh, the team spirit as well. You know, seeing the performance from the Olympics and that of, um, you know, the Afro basket, I think it was just, um, the, 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 you, you could see the cohesiveness, the, the continuity and then the, the gameplay as well, which mm-hmm. really came to the fore. I think that really helped going into the finals. And oh. of course, uh, our girls, you know, did what they had to do Pulled and became tops. Yes. Yeah. I mean, let, let's broaden the conversation now. I was on a TV show and, um, former captain of this team from Udo. Well, we spoke to her um, from a base in the US. And um, my question to her was that, how do we deepen this, the impacts of this? Because we can't run away from the fact that 90% of the team are foreign business. They, do, they don't play here. Um, we, have, we have won Afro basket three times in a row, women, but our basketball, women's basketball league is virtually Almost non-existent. So how do we use this to impact the local scene? Because I think that is very, very important. I have my own ideas of what we can do, but how do you think you can use this? We're three-time African champions. We're talking about sports and the girl child. All of that is happening. And these girls, a lot of them come into the country. Um, I, I spoke to him for about what can be done. And she was like, look, if you invite those girls, come and do a few things. And she showed they're willing to come. They're willing to... Um, so how, let me put it this way. How do we deepen the impact of these wins, these three-peats and these five overall titles and let it impact basketball, women's basketball on the Nigerian scene? You know what's unfortunate is the fact that we always have to have this conversation every time we either do well or don't or do well. Do well. <laughs> um, first of all, this is a great opportunity for Nigerian basketball on the female side to create a dynasty, mm. a dynasty of dominance across Africa. Because we are in a very good position. A three-peat like this means that we're 
heads and shoulders are you know, above most of Africa. So it's time to get serious. Um, the Senegalese are far ahead of us in terms of wins. And that's because at a point, they had a stranglehold on the competition. Mm. Now, this is our turn to do the same. So how can we do this? Which is the main, main question. We just have to go back to the basics. Back to the basics in the sense that on the local scene, the league needs help. Yeah. As much help as possible from a commercial, from a marketing, and from a personnel standpoint, it needs help. We need to improve the level of competition. So we have to go away from the era of playing just 10 matches in one year. Mm. We don't have having a proper season. 30 to 50 games a season. Mm. That is what will help develop the league, sharpen develop, the, sharpen the players mm. and make them better to be able to even compete well in Africa. Of course, there's a female, potential female uh, women's version of the bar, mm. you know, being proposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, we should be preparing for that with an eye on that, that look, we need to get that position we're able to even dominate on that basis as well. Mm. That's, that's mm. another one. Secondly, you mentioned, I think it's very critical, I think we've mentioned it so many times on this show and on Sports Express and on what have you, that we don't, we always refuse to connect the team with the community, with the, community yeah. with the locality, with the country, and of course, with potential corporate sponsors. sponsors yeah. The distance between the team and all these people I've mentioned is so wide. So wide. It's non-existent. Mm. There's no relationship. Mm. And I think that for us to progress the conversation, to push the narrative, we need to bring that gap and bring them closer. So that, for instance, if Anizine Kalu or Adore Lono or even Victoria McCurry, Victoria McCurry, by the way, I have a huge crush on. (laughs) (laughs) If we can bring them to Nigeria, I'm sure there'll be a couple body willing to support any program that they have with girls, training camps, you know, training camps across the country. It doesn't even need to be across the country. It can be in Lagos, it can be in Botaco, it can be in Abuja. I'm sure there'll be corporate bodies that will be willing to, you know, put some money behind that. Okay, let's even say corporate bodies are not even willing to put some money behind that. But it can form part of developmental programs of, of the, the MBBS. MBBS, yeah. You know, that way, you're taking the game closer to the people. I am making it aspirational for the young ones. Exactly. Young ones. They can see, oh, is it a You see, look, the beauty of basketball, or like football, is that there's an educational pathway for yeah, basketball. Yeah. In addition. So, in a, you know, like it or not, if you're playing basketball, if you want to hit the peak, there's a route, which is college basketball mm. in America. And that's college scholarship, university scholarship education that can help you progress your life, mm. which is why basketball is different from football. Yeah. And imagine what that does for a young girl in Asaba, in Ajegunle. It would have been brilliant. You know, you know? seeing the Kalu, seeing the Victoria McCauley, seeing, I don't know, they can aspire to these people. And that is so, like, for instance, I have a 11 year old girl that's almost as tall as me, and mm. I've made up my mind that I will, listen, I will force her. Mm. I have a 12 year old too. She's <laughs> playing basketball. Mm. Yeah. From you know, because week. we can see it. <laughs> like, what always says, you don't buy, you can't buy height. You can't buy height. It's there. Mm. So this just, you, you know, you don't, you can't, you don't train height. Yeah. Height so is natural. It's very, it, it, if we're able to do all this, mm will be on the pathway of creating a huge dynasty in women's basketball that we can also do the same on the male on side. The side at, yes. on, the, on the male side, Angola dominated, dominated for, for years. So yeah. 
Look at them now. They failed to do a few things mm. and now they are mm. lagging behind. Look at what Tunisia is doing. Look at what the Egyptians are doing. It's about time that we have that steady progress and process in place. I, okay, you wanted to add Yes, one? and that's why I felt bad when after winning, I thought that, um, you know, they will have put things in place for these girls to come back maybe a day or two, mm. you know, right on the wave. I, meet I, actually, and I think I, 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 can have to go back. I can understand that most of them was working a tight schedule. Hmm. Yeah. Most of the leagues and the colleges where they, some of these girls play, they've given so actually, much already. They could just come spend no, no, a day no, or it's, two. It's, it's a timed thing that they even were able to. That's what, look at what happened with the men. They didn't come hmm. because the timing was. Well, this one, I was almost surprised. To be honest, I was surprised that, that we would get that number, get that number of them mm-hmm. coming because it's right bang in the middle of them preparing. And if you're on a scholarship, you play for a professional club. I mean, your your obligation is to that club. And you know, we talked about FIBA Africa not postponing this tournament because of the unlike other unlike other. So, having said that, I I Buddy and I attended an event at the American Embassy. I think last year before the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. There's this lady that plays in the NBA with a, obviously a Nigerian name who was MVP in the last, sorry, WNBA, WNBA. I meant to say. Ogumbo Ali. I think it's Arike Ogumbo Ali who's obviously, I mean, that, that's a Nigerian mm. name. And um, she spoke via, via, of course, via Zoom or via satellite to a lot of young, young girls who are playing basketball. I think the MFM basketball ladies came and all of that. And you, that was, and I spoke to some of the girls after that event at the American Embassy and you could see how impressed they were with her, how aspirational they found it, how inspirational they found her. And that's what we're talking about here because she, I think she plays for the United States team, but mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, with the name like Gumbo Ali, mm-hmm. you can't claim to be any other thing, mm-hmm. but, but Nigerian. Nigerian. So, like we tried to say, I think we need to do that with these ones who are even identified with and are playing for Nigeria because it's not enough to win these um, tournaments. One thing about sport is sport needs to inspire, inspire the next young people to be better than they really are. Uh-huh. And even like Yemi said, even if you do not play professionally, it gives you a pathway to getting educated and to making a, a better uh, situation with your lives in future. So your thoughts on this before we move on from this topic? I'm, I'm sure that um, the powers that be or those that are, you know, um, concerned with these girls, um, they'll fix a date where they can do a proper meet and greet. Mm. Um, we hear that uh, there's a reception program for the team in conjunction with the sport ministry much at a much later date. date yeah. Uh, hopefully those girls, they will be on break, you know, by then they will, they will fix the time that, that's for, suitable. It doesn't even have to be all of them. Those have to be all of them. Maybe just them. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it would be so nice um, mm. to have young girls who, you know, if they can see these people that, you know, they, they get to hear about or see on TV and watch mm. on TV and then they see them in person, what that will do to them, I mean, cannot be quantified. Uh, it, it, it will trickle down. Uh, it will be, it will create a huge impact, you know, mm. in the lives of this, of this young one. So, um, I'm hoping that, yes, they will put this into practice and, uh, mm. let's, let's see how this can, you know, inspire the next generation mm. of, um, Final question on this. Let me go to Yemi about. Okay, look, over the past few years, look at the record of this team. Um, they were at the women's, the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup quarterfinals in the last final eight. First African country to do that. Afro Basket Women, they won in 2003, 2005, 2017, 2019, 2021. Uh, All Africa Games, gold medal in 2003, silver medal twice, bronze medal three or four times over the past 20 years or so. This team has not lost on the continental stage 
since 2016. Mm. That's five years. Mm. You hear me? Basketball on the local scene has to benefit from this. Oh, yeah. Sponsorship-wise and all of that. And use this as, like we said, aspirational. Quickly, one or two things you feel the MBF can do for the women's game um, to ride on this. Quickly. Well, the first problem is we don't, we don't even know what's happening. We're going to get into We're going why. to get that. We're going to get that. <laughs> one of the topics we're discussing today. But it's important to activate the Women's League and activate properly. Uh, they've already made a big mistake with the Men's League, with the return of the Men's League by having another average season mm. because of the focus being the bar, bar which bar hasn't bar. been fixed. So you had the chance to run a proper season. Mm. Now you can't make that same mistake with the, with the with the women. Now have a proper season, evaluate all the teams that need to you know play this competition, and ensure that they have a good process that brings out a proper champion for Nigeria, sharpen the competitive edge of the ladies, and then most importantly you have. We've said we've been saying this for the past three years. Nigerian basketball is in a very good place. Yeah. Where they can attract as much corporate sponsorship as they want if, if the right things are done. Uh-huh. The right things are done uh-huh. and the people responsible are proactive and sharp enough to go after these names. Everybody is looking for where they will put their money. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. time to speak with the TV stations, to the cable stations. Uh-huh to put at the, the basketball game on TV. Mm. Mm. We need to start making, have our own local superstars as mm. well that people can also aspire to be. Mm. So it's important to put the game on TV. Very key. Very the important. cable guys important. pulled out the last two, the last two sponsors, mm. our cable guys, since they pulled out, no basketball on TV. So it's very important mm. Well, um, on that note, we end this. Uh, the Tigers in a very, very good place. Uh, their the, the star has been rising on the African continent for such a long time. Mm. It continues to rise. We had our doubts, um, but it did give them a 40% chance of winning this. <laughs> but he did mention about Senegal. And once we got through that Senegal huddle, we, we had our doubts about the girls, but um, they didn't falter and they went on to win. Another Nigerian female team that we were, we could close our eyes and go to bed and say they would win, at least on the African continent, mm. is a female national football team, the Falcons. But of late, the Falcons are faltering. And that was brought into sharp focus as recently concluded Aisha Buhari Cup, where they played two games. The first game, who did they play against? That they beat 2 0. Mali. Mali. We saw how they struggled. It took two goals in the last 10 minutes mm. or so for them to win that game. And then the weakness of which, to be fair, Buddy had been saying this for a number of years. And I had been a bit worried with, with even though they won the last two Af- uh, African Women's Nations Cups on the African continent, I was a bit worried about the nature of those victories. You know, against the Bayana Bayana in Lagos mm. at the Abuasha Buari Cup, I don't think I've ever seen a Nigerian female national team go three goals down on the African continent. Mm. They went down 3 0 in the first half. At home. At, at all. home. They came back with two goals. Eventually, they lost that game 4 2 mm. and all of that. So, and thankfully, that was uh, a, a friendly tournament. So you can take the heat and know that. But it was a huge wake up call. 
a huge wake-up call to the fact that the rest of Africa, we've been saying it, are catching up. The last two, we have had 13 uh, AWCONs in Africa. Nigeria has won 11. The only two Nigeria did not win, won by um, uh, Ikutura Guinea. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> because Ikutura Guinea won with some, in some really controversial circumstances. Mm. But the last two times, Nigeria won. The penultimate one before this last one, the penultimate one was the final was against Cameroon in Yaoundé, I think. And they struggled to a 1-0 victory. Yeah. I think this last year, was it? Was it last year, it was this same Bayana Bayana who had beaten us in the group stage. In the group stage. And in the final, it was a goalless draw and we just edged them on penalties. Penalty, yeah. So the one inside had been there. I look at the team and it's the same set of players I've been playing since forever. So, the chickens have come home to roost. Demola, obviously, we're not doing something right as per the Falcons. Is it a case of us not doing something right or the rest of Africa is just catching up with us already? Um, yes, I think... They'll catch up with you if you are static. Exactly. If you are because, marking time on the same spot. Because if if we are saying that, yes, um, we need to improve or we, we claim to be the best in Africa as well, and we go to, you know, the, the World Cup, where it involves, uh, you know, other nations and we still can't match up to those guys and we are being, you know, static and stagnant and the rest of Africa is catching up. That means we are not doing something right. So, uh, yes, like you rightly mentioned, uh, I think, you know, uh, we need to start making some changes now and saying that the way the rest of Africa, I, I, I can't beat my chest and say, yes, the next AFCON we are going to win because seeing the way, uh, I mean, the Bayana I think we, are, we, should, we should qualify. We're playing Ghana. That's the first game. That's the first game. It's going to be tough. You know, um, by the way we are going now, something drastic has to happen, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like again, let me go to, but, but he has always said that the difference when we go out on the continent, we used to be worried about when we go out up to walk up that the difference was coaching. Now we're even worried about Coach. the continent. Oh yeah, we're even worried about, about the coaching continent, the continent uh, and yeah. getting away from it. We have a coach who, for me, honestly, you know, without appearing to want to criticize, but the truth must be told. I do not think you can have a national team coach as a part-time job. Mm. Randy Wardrum is a part-time coach mm. of the Falcons because he has a full-time coaching job mm. in the United States. He has a full-time coaching job in the United States and he is a part-time coach here. So what exactly is going on? Does it show enough seriousness or enough attaching enough importance to the national team by having somebody who is not fully 100% focused on this job? You know, this coaching thing, eh? Super Eagles, same thing. Hmm. Falcons, same thing. And you know, what, what is particularly interesting about the Falcons is whilst on the Super Eagles side, the foreign coach, Gerard will say, the homies players are not good enough. On the female side, on the women's side, the ladies here are actually good yeah, enough. Yeah, and part and parcel of the team. You know, they're part and parcel of the team. Mm. They're, they, see, talent has never been a problem. So we'll put that on one side. Mm. But you see, how you hone and nurture that talent is it's what key. is critical. How do you have a national team coach that doesn't stay here, mm. 
I remember one time he came in, watched a few matches, went to as if he cared, and he went back. He went back. But you see, it all goes back to the people that employ you. Mm. Once what, what, that employ, what conditions? What conditions? Are they conditions to the once they've employed you and they're happy with what you're doing, there's no problem. But it's also because we live in a country where the guys that run out of more really don't care. Anything goes. Mm. They don't care. Mm. Because if you care, you're paying top dollar. Like you might want to say, uh, draw, world on probably don't end top dollar. Mm. But in the real sense, in the Nigerian context, it's top dollar. Yeah. Whether we like it or not, it's a lot of money that they're earning. And that comes with a lot of responsibility. We remember what happened with Florence Magbimi. In fact, there was a rumor that when they were going to appoint this guy, it's alleged that they were offering her an assistant job to work with him. That's all who's already caught the team. And won an African team. And have won an African So if she go, imagine if she's given the job, will the NFF allow her a part-time to coach. be a part-time coach? I don't, think, I don't, coach. Think, so. I don't think so. If it's a they Nigerian, would do that with a Nigerian. Nigerian to have a part-time, to mm. take so, the part-time job. So one of the things that I've said and we've said so many times on, on, on our various shows is that this particular NFF has a huge inferiority complex. They have a problem of putting their foot down and saying, look, Oga, you can pay this. you, this is what you would do. Look at the South African coach. She played for the team. She's been coaching that team for years. And you could tell. You could tell. You could see the relationship. With the players. How yes. do you build a relationship with your players when you're in one part of the world and the bulk of your players are in the like other side part of the world. the world. How do you build that relationship? How do, How do you build a relationship with the local community? The people that have more or less from the nucleus that supplies your, 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 your team. And it makes a whole, a, a whole world of difference because, um, before, before the game with the Falcons, I saw the coach speak, the, um, South African, um, coach and the kind of, uh, faith and, uh, you know, that she has in the players and how she spoke so highly of them. You could tell, mm. you know, Wait, like, you know the funny thing? Mm. Over the years, like we said, we've neg- this Falcons team, mm. we've neglected that team for so long, believing in our innate ability, mm. in our talents that will get us through. Do you know how much work? You told, you told me something yesterday about a data analyst. The South Africans have been uh, been monitoring been doing performance us, data analysis, uh, analysis of the Nigerian team for years. So you can imagine. <laughs> so because you, can, you see, you what, what, this is what happens. If you go to male football, there was a time Brazil was dominating. Mm. What happened? The rest of the world looked at the Brazilian mm-hmm. team. Started so them. When you That's are it. up there, everybody sniping is sniping at of you. Of course. So if you stay on the same spot, they will likely meet you there and overtake, and overtake you. you. And I think that's what happened. You have to evolve. For so long, we won so easily on the mm, African yeah. continent. Mm. Because how, where we should have found the warning signs was every time we went to the World Cup, we always easily knocked out. Yeah. The only time we got to the quarterfinal was 1999, mm. uh, which was 22 years ago. So every time we got there, we, it means that it, it meant that we were not really improving, but we had enough talent to continue to dominate in Africa. We're not developing the local game. Um, the women's league is more or less more about they play, but I mean, you need to see. It's, it's as good as, uh, as an amateur league, you know? Mm. So, now, Debola, is it correct to say that the, um, the, how do I put it? The way we have, um, I'm looking for the right word now. The way we have ignored mm. this, um, 
female side of our football is beginning to have an impact. And if care is not taken, that dominant force that we are on the African continent is only a matter of time, as we are saying. If critical steps are not taken, it's only a matter of time before, like they say in regular football, we are knocked off our perch. Of course. Because uh, we're already shaking on that perch now. Of course we are. And I think um, the game against South Africa just, you know, it's just a joke. Yes, and it underlines the fact that, yes, uh, we need to wake up from our slumber. We, we've always felt that, um, you know, when it comes to the African scene, uh, it's our bat right, you know, when we go to competitions in Africa to, mm. to win and, uh, you know, and we've won easily. Like you mentioned, we've won 11 of uh, the 13. Uh, so this time around, <laughs> the table has turned. If you're not evolving as a team, if you're not doing things, you know, the right way, if you're not putting things, uh, you know, in perspective, of course, it will more or less backfire. And that is what, uh, the game, uh, the Aisha Bwari Cup just did. It was an eye opener for us that, yes, if you don't start evolving now, start putting things in place, you know, start putting mechanism in place that, you know, to always stay there and stay atop and keep improving as time goes on. I mean, just a matter of time before you get caught up and uh, that was what, you know, happened. Yeah, I mean, my worry is that already the South Africans have overtaken us. I don't know about one or two others, but them, they, because I, I did a kind of, kind of research on what they've done and what they actually did was put Nigeria up there. And look at ways of how to get to Nigeria. They came up with a younger team. They realized our team was old. They came up with a younger team, mm-hmm. younger legs, fresher legs, and all of that. And it, it, it showed. It showed. They, they came up with, if we keep, if we keep moving, move the ball. Over, exactly. Move now they've already overtaken us. Our team has a lot of old legs, so to speak. So as a football analyst now, from a footballing perspective, you know I mean, how do we, it's crazy to say this, but uh, how do we catch up? <laughs> because honestly, from where I'm sitting, that's what we need to do now. We have been overtaken. Whether we want to accept it or not, mm-hmm. we've been overtaken at least by the South Africans. I don't think we've been overtaken yet. Okay. But they are, they are, if they're not at par, they're very close. Mm. Very, You very think they're not at par? That's what I said. If they're not at par. Yeah, I mean, we were lucky to win the last Nations Cup. No, that's what I said. If they're not at par, mm. we can see them right, behind know, us, right there. I'm looking at their tail lights <laughs> ahead of us. I, I, I don't think. Okay, until go ahead, go until ahead. they take us on in a major competition, competition okay. and win a trophy, then mm. I'll say they've got. At the time I could say they did it, mm. I'll say, yes, they had passed us mm. or that marked us. So until that happens, then we could say so. Now, you mentioned one thing they did. They went back to the basics mm. and got younger players. Mm. That involves community development, developing the game from the grassroots. From, the grassroots. from age grade. Let me cut you. And that should ideally be the job of the head of coach. Of the head coach. I was going to say national that. national team. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you work with an NFF that's even on the male side, the technical director... Who is technical director of the NFF mm. is supposed to come with the overall plan for the football of Nigeria. Instead, he'll be a, seconding him to the yeah, Seconding him to go and handle the home base team. Who, meanwhile, is supposed to be the boss of all the coaches. But is it that, that they don't know their JD or I don't they, understand? They, don't, they have no shame. Don't let's go there. Let's put that aside. So they went community development, grassroots development of the game. One thing they do, and you know, the South Africans are, we have to give them a lot of credit. On the club scene, on the domestic scene, whilst they're doing their male game, the men's game, 
the women's game is also now going side by side. Mm. And what has led to that? The CAF Champions League for women. Mm. We are already faltering on that one. That was because Rivers Angels lost in the final of the waffle of the waffle uh, qualifiers for mm. that one. We're supposed to be the predominant team in West Africa, mm. but they lost that one. That's that's something that's supposed to tell you <laughs> Fire there's the problem mountain. ahead. Mm. These guys have shown that they are growing the game at the same pace. So whilst the men are not doing so well. But they're ensuring that the pace of development they're not getting they're not getting the, the ladies they're are not, not getting they're not left, left behind, behind. Mm. they're attracting corporate sponsorship there's money available for them to grow the game here it's all about the super egos it is it is the, the Falcons should never be a second thought you hear any deal the NFL has signed is what super egos are what other no, national teams no, it's not even, as far as I know, it's only one that considers all the national teams. Uh, all the others are exclusively Super Eagles. As sensible, far as I know, I stand to be football federations have what you call partners to the federation, not to one team. Mm. Meaning you have a pool that you now allocate to each mm. team. Mm. But ours is always Super Eagles. And like you said, only in one case you've heard other nationalities. What it means is that those other nationalities are afterthoughts. And if we are being sincere, we had a comparative advantage, a competitive advantage with the Falcons for so many years. They should have taken pride of place and been a focus point that this one know that we're ahead of Africa, we will not lose mm-hmm. it. But what have we done? We've sat back and we've lost it. Our people have become very unimaginative. It's the same people that have been in that Position running female football for at least for as long as I can remember. There's a point you get to that you realize that you need fresh, fresh ideas. ideas. Mm. Yeah. True. You need a different perspective. Probably going same, in a different direction. Going in a different direction. But it's the same people over and over. You can't keep they say you can't if you do something the same way. I mean, especially the expecting different Yes. But that is what is happening. We need to go back to the basis. We are even lucky that on the home scene, the level of the girls is not that bad. They're able to still, you know, fight for their place. And please, in this coaching, this coaching thing, if the man, if you are so desirous to get a foreign coach, we need to be able to provide him with what he needs to stay here. He needs to be enshrined and in tune with the way we do things, things in yeah. Nigeria. True. Not this stay here when it's time for match. No, it down. doesn't work. You can't, you can't get the best. You can't get the best. So that's, I think you, those do, are, you don't even know the players enough because yes. I think that's why he keeps sticking to the same, probably the same set of players. Exactly. Even when he's going to invite new players, he's doing what the football mill side is doing. He's beginning to pick exactly. players from other clients who are Nigerian ancestry. The time we have been successful in Nigerian football, look back at the times where we've had the future of yes that have been here, here, Westerhof, Keshi, mm. ready to Infuse bring everything together, together and do the dirty work, mm. muddy themselves up, get dirty. Look at the times we're successful with the uh, female nationality. Ismail Amabo, mm. 
Francis Mugabe, they were ready to walk, going from place to place, city to city, watching our football and getting these teams okay. together. Let's round this up. Jamala, what are your thoughts? What should be the direction now? I mean, um, I, I was thinking as we're all talking, um, I see what, um, you know, um, England, the English is doing with their female league, how, you know, week in, week out, you know, they push it out there, it's in our faces, publicity-wise, how the games is going, you know, televised, even in um, Spain as well. Uh, we know uh, where um, our, our captain Osh- now, Oshuala. Oshuala, plays for Barcelona. We have, you know, teams there who are always playing week in, week out, you know. Um, we should, you know, bring all these ideas back home and see how we can, you know, better develop the game for uh, our, our, you know, Falcons. And uh, it can always be a good time for us if all what we are saying here is getting to the right people and they are listening and, you know, they're able to make changes, infuse new ideas, bring, you know, new uh, inventions that can make sure that, yes, you know, our, our female, you know, um, football doesn't just go down the drain and that we keep stepping it up as it should. You know, the Falcons won the first seven African championships and through their first 20, 20 years, lost only five games to African opposition. Ghana, Algeria, Ghana again, the Guterra Guinea in the African competition and Ghana never lost to South Africa in competition until recently. If care is not taken, this statistic we just mentioned yeah, will continue to go down. Mm. So it's time, like Amy said, to pay more attention to the other national teams, particularly the Falcons. As a national team in football on the African continent, they've been the most successful. They'll be more successful than the Super Eagles. They've won Nine Super Eagles have won three Nations Cups. We can argue that um, the opposition is not, but the bottom line is that what they won was were African titles. They've been to all the World Cups. Female World Cups have been held. They've not missed a single one. So they are more successful. They may not be a bigger brand, but they are more successful it's in footballing terms. They have earned the rights to be given at least a slightly more consideration when it comes to finance, when it comes to uh, coaching, quality of coaches, they've earned the rights. All these work they've gone to, maybe we'll do the research another time, they've earned money of course. for Nigerian football. Mm. You know, and they've inspired a whole lot of young generation of players who take a female football now is a v- welcome. Most times they used to say, you want to play football, it you is. want to develop both oh, yeah. as a it girl. Is. But now, it it's acceptable. So, what we're saying, like I always like to say, these things are not criticisms. These things are facts. And how do they spend the, the FIFA developmental money for, for, female, for football. female football? There must be FIFA developmental money when the league has to be up and running. More attention has to be paid. I personally do not think this round the world drum thing works. You can for a national, you can't have a, it can't be a part-time job mm. for any coach. I, in a way, it's, it's really a little bit disrespectful to the national, to the national team of your country. So that's how we end this. And we move on to, um, well, we've talked about, <laughs> let me start this by saying, here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. Now, what do I mean? The federation elections into the uh, associations of federations governing all our sports happening. Um, now, Youth and Sports Ministry 
has affirmed that elections into the boards of national associations will hold on November 30. Before then, uh, there will be um, elective congresses that will hold on the 30th of September, I think. Mm -hmm. The process has begun. Uh, six national federations have their constituents ratified by the international sports bodies and the Nigerian Olympic Committee will conduct their elections. The rest um, have to have, uh, the rest will conduct their elections based on ministry guidelines. That's where I want to start, Jeremy. I honestly feel that should we continue to have a situation because it's leading to a lot of problems. Maybe I'm talking like a novice now because uh, maybe I really don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just thinking like, let, let me think like a layman. Why must we have the national, the sports ministry be the ones to oversee, to uh, give out guidelines and oversee this election? Why can't these bodies, why can't we have a situation where it is their affiliate international bodies that will guide the elections? I'm acting like a layman now. <laughs> is there a reason, is there a particular reason for, for, for this? I, I, well, everything boils down to the agenda of whoever it is that is in power. Um, the sports minister would like a situation where he would be surrounded by No, his no, own to people. be, to be fair, no, you're, when you say sports minister, we're being general, not, not yeah, specific, general. because this has happened over the time. Oh, it's, yes. It's under this press sports no, minister. No, 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 no. Generally. Okay. All the sports ministers we've had more or less would like to have their, their own people, uh, people that have their support, mm. you surround them. Um, whilst I feel that their main obligation is to work on the development of the game and not mm. those who will be running the individual mm. federations. Mm. Um, that way, if there are any shenanigans, the international federations can take action and sanction the national bodies. But when the international, some of these international bodies see that the local sports ministry is involved, I think mm. makes them take a few steps back and say, mm. look, mm. it's an internal issue. They can resolve it or they should resolve it. But if they are directly involved and the sports ministry is not involved and they, and they go through due process to ensure that elections are carried out by those international everybody will shape up. Unfortunately, that's not the case because, like I said, for the sports minister or whoever it is that is supposed to at the time, it's important that he influences those in those positions. So mm. that way, he can call on so-and-so, do this, you know, they, they mm. all more or less owe him something. Mm. And then on the basis of that, they're willing to do that. But for me, it's about time the sports ministry, sports minister, face the business of developing sports mm. and not involving themselves involved. in Having issues. said that, though, on the flip side, we have a situation where we have two things. Now, one, most of those sports are still basically amateur and they derive a lot of funding from the federal government, i.e. through the sports Sport ministry. ministry yeah. And then two, if the sports ministry funds a majority of them to competitions and things like that, is it realistic to say they shouldn't interfere? Especially when we have a case where we have what you call sit-tight federation presidents or officials 
who don't want to leave, who are there doing the wrong things they, they shouldn't do, maybe in terms of sponsorship, putting monies in private accounts, mm. you know, just generally, but some of them changing constitutions to <laughs> perpetuate themselves in power. Mm. In that situation, aren't we going to blame the sports minister or sports ministry if he stands aloof and allows these shenanigans to take place? So I think it's a double-edged sword. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah, I, of course, I think it's a double-edged sword, but I think uh, there's a point where a line you know, needs to be drawn where, whereby, you know, uh, those who are involved don't, don't, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily have to go to uh, the ministry when they have competitions, cap in hands and begging for funds. And if they are truly independent as they were and the sport ministry too is doing the, you know, its own job of being, you know, doing oversight functions, I, I think all this will be, you know, laid to rest. But it's very difficult to be independent when you don't have money, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, when they get to competitions like the Olympics, for instance, you present your team to the federal government because, because they are going to represent federal Republic of, of Nigeria. Nigeria. So we cannot run away from those relationships. Maybe some sports like football, like basketball might be able to be financially that, independent. independent. But those other sports are still at the grassroots or amateur level. It's very difficult. And that, that's, that's why, that's why I said that, uh, the sport ministry should, you know, as a matter of fact, make sure that, yes, there's a level playing field, you know, for all these other, you know, um, um, associations, associations, you know, but when it comes to elections and, even they don't have their own constitution. Of course, if they have their own constitution as um, is instituted by the international bodies, then mm. there will be less uh, less um, they have the constitution, influence. The constitutions are being manipulated by individuals. And that, that's where the sport ministry will have to come in because mm. if they're not doing what they need to do, then the sport ministry will have to come okay. in and oversee okay. things as they were. We, we agree on that now. The sports ministry cannot stand back for the way the structure is for now. Another aspect, Gabi, is the fact that We've said this several times on this podcast and maybe gazillion times on uh, radio shows and other shows. What is in it in these boards and these federations that people are ready to quote and unquote, we say in local parlance, die there. (laughs) That they must be there. You know, like we always like to say, you can love a sport, you can be contributing to a sport without actually being mm, on the, the board, board mm, of the sport. But true. now, we the, the election guidelines, everything, has been, but already we are going to see fault lines. Some people are already bringing up for war. Yeah. Some people are saying those guidelines are there is legitimate. Some people are, people, in about two or three different boards uh-huh. now, people are bracing for war. Mm. And what has happened in athletics before now that affected us seriously at the Olympics, what's happened in basketball, basketball that affected well. as might well athletics have done their own um, elections thankfully it will stay that way basketball are going to do their elections and basketball i'm really worried about it because there are serious fault lines happening there so yeah i mean how can we get away from these squabbles and infighting and you know desperation to remain on the board i am the only one that can turn the spot around and mm. all of them keep saying I'm spending my money I'm spending <laughs> my money and you know if it's so inconvenient why do you want to stay there? If you're spending your money and you're not getting any It's not a business return, then what? Then let's know that you have set up a charity organization or why don't you just create a charity organization mm. to fund the spot and that is what you hear when you hear people say I'm spending my money it it is just an open case of poor 
corporate governance. Mm. If I tell you I spent 100 million, ah, are you going to verify, going to verify mm. that I spent 100 million? Well, I've probably spent 1 million now. Mm. You've opened the door for poor corporate governance. Secondly, I, need, I think most importantly, there need to be consequences. Consequences for actions and inaction. What do I mean? It's about time that if a federation has a four-year term, there needs to be specific timelines or KPIs set, whereby you have what you call a midterm, midterm election. So, for instance, you are elected after an Olympics Games, and you know that in between the time you are elected and the next Olympics, there's a world championship. More for that for every sports federation. So everybody has a target. So, Oga, if you are the head of whatever, for instance, maybe badminton or handball, you say, well, the target we've set for you is for you to qualify for the world championships or qualify for the African Nations Cup in your sport. Mm. Once you fail, that's one parameter you have failed in. The next one is, okay, the sports ministry is going to provide you funding. But you need to develop a plan in that four-year, your four-year tenure, that will potentially make your sports marketable, commercially viable for corporate sponsorship, that whatever you're going to be getting from government will just be... An addendum, yeah. Part of the four-year plan. So by year two, once you are not achieving all this, there should be clear court guidelines for there to be a midterm election. No, because yeah, there are many people or many officials who want to, who are going for re-election. And you, and you, you struggle to see what, they've what done, have what they the done fact, in the yeah. four years. So what exactly have they so, done? So, how have so, they improved the sport? I've said commercial. I've said tournament qualification. Mm, and development. development. Mm. Grassroots development. You know, in short, there must, Tournaments be, there must be performance parameters. It has to be, they, all these things have to be put together. It, your tenor has to be performance related. Mm. And once you come short or you fall short in all these mentioned midterm election at the end of middle of your second year, you activate midterm elections and somebody else comes up, you compete, you get voted out. Even though we do know mm. that a lot of people also spend a lot of money to get elected. Mm. Why are you spending a lot of money to get elected to that position? If it's not that you are eyeing one, free money, mm-hmm. two, free trips, mm-hmm. extra codes, foreign, uh, what's it called? Subvention from mm. international bodies that nobody will ask you to account for. Don't let me mention this. There's a particular <laughs> that is where motive, that you know, actually co- collecting about $150,000 US subvention from the international bodies. Wow. And a lot of people didn't know. Wow. And it was just being collected privately. Wow. That is where you motives, know? you know, come in. You know, what, mm. what are your motives going there? You know, uh, you know my, my, my worry, let me, let, 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 let my fear, I'm mm. like, no, my sadness mm. is that, my sadness is that all these officials with all due respect, 90% of them, maybe I can mention a few who are, 90% of them are not interested in the athletes. Mm. Honestly, of course, no. that is my view. Mm. It's all about me, them, me, myself, and I. Mm. Like they say, 
That's why some don't care whether athletes go for competitions, whether they, whether they shut down the sport for three years, like mm-hmm. in Harlem basketball mm-hmm. or in some other sports. That like, uh, well, if it's not me, then the sport Nobody should not knows. exist. That that's that's really sad. And it's criminal and it's sad. And you know, in all of this, you're toying with the futures of these young men and women who, for some of them, they come from the beaten parts of life. They come from poor indigenous backgrounds, but it is their talent that would make a way for them. For them. If family. you consider this, and you know that one child, one talented child can turn the fortunes of not only a family, a probably a whole community. Absolutely. You would be em- empathetic enough to say, it's not about me. And that, up till now, with all that's happening, that's what we still get. We have officials who are interested in themselves. Mm. And for me, I look at two, three, five years down the line, I honestly don't see a change. I honestly don't see a difference. And it's very, very saddening. It is, it, it is really sad. And that's why I said that, um, that is where motives, you know, come in. Are you being altruistic in your motive in wanting to be in that particular position? Are you, are you, are you, are you just going there for yourself to go and enrich yourself or you're going there to make sure that the lives of, uh, those who are truly talented, you know, they can be rewarded by, you know, the talent that they have. But that is not the case of what we have here in Nigeria. And it's sad to see. And this has continued over time. We just hope that in time, uh, but I'm tired of even, you know, hoping all the time. Why can't we just do, you know, what the need for what we're supposed to do. Okay. I think it's on that um, very, very, um, how do I put it now? I don't want to use the heavy word. Very, very sad note. I can't know from that. We're on very, very sad note. We, we end the podcast for this week. Um, we, we just want to appeal to all these officials who are squabbling for these positions. At the end of the day, please, please and please think of the impact of your actions on the athletes you purport to serve. Mm. If your impact, if the impact of your actions is going to impact the athletes negatively and you don't care, then it really means that you didn't care about these athletes in the first place. Because even if you feel that it would be better for these athletes if I step aside and don't contest, if you really love those sports and their athletes, that is what you should do. Not go to court and fight for a position as if it is a, a how do you put it? Is a that's right. Is a birthright or is a family? Is <laughs> a family inheritance or position and all and of that. Situation. And it's a life and death decision. Because at the end of the day, it's not. Sports three sixty pod on Instagram is where you can catch us. And sports three sixty podcast comes your way every Thursday. We'd like to thank you for joining us again for another incisive edition. I want to thank Demola Gumbona who is a substitute for Body Ogutui today, and of course. Yeah, me Addison is here. Thank you all our crew at the back as well. We'll do it again next week. Thank you for listening.